shall have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valued than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of spiders, bears, and swimming in deep open waters. And if you're like me, then you're not a huge fan of feeling fear. We try to do whatever we can to avoid situations that make us feel afraid. Whether we like it or not, feeling fear is part of being human. God created us that way, and the emotion of fear is actually an important protection mechanism which keeps us safe in many situations. And if I'm completely honest, having a healthy fear of the things I listed earlier isn't so bad. But my deeper fears that really keep me up at night are far more personal. I have deeply rooted fears of loneliness, rejection, insignificance, and failure. And these are the fears that I often run away from and can get me into all kinds of trouble. I'm sure we all have countless examples of life where the sensation of fear kept us safe. Whether it was avoiding an accident while driving our car or saying no to peer pressure so when someone tries to get us to take a substance at a party or getting out of a toxic relationship, God allows us to feel fear so that we may make wise decisions to preserve our lives in a variety of situations. So as much as you and I try to avoid our fears and wish we didn't feel afraid of things, fear can be a healthy emotion that we need. But there is also a downside to fear. Fear can get out of control. Instead of helping protect our lives, fear can end up controlling our lives and holding us back from really good things. For instance, I remember when my mental health was really bad about five years ago. I was so burned out and anxious that I had to actually miss my best friend's birthday party because I couldn't handle being in a room with that many people at the same time. It's kind of shocking if you think about it, uh, how God has healed me enough and led me to serve at a church like Willingdon for the last three years when it wasn't so long before that that I could barely handle hanging out with one person, let alone thousands every weekend. But that was just one one of many ways that I've experienced fear becoming an unhealthy driving force in my life. So what are you afraid of? How have you experienced fear controlling your life, even as we consider COVID? In the eight verses that we read today, Jesus mentions fear four times. Three times he tells us, do not be afraid. And once he actually says to be afraid. Now, some people have said that there are 365 commands in scripture to not be afraid. One for every day of the year, as we all battle fears every day of our lives. 
My research has shown that that's not necessarily true. There's actually closer to 400 or 500 relevant references to fear in Scripture. But that means that there's certainly more than enough commands to not be afraid or to receive God's peace and strength that give us encouragement more than one time every day of the year because we know that fear can be such a crippling force in our lives and we need God's encouragement to move past it. In today's scripture reading, Jesus is speaking to some of the biggest and most important fears in our lives. These competing fears can make the difference between whether we live in obedience to God or not. Depending on which fears we allow to drive us, we might completely miss the opportunities that God has prepared for us to walk in. So the question becomes, what fears do we accept and what fears do we reject? Let's learn together from Jesus how to navigate these greater fears in our lives. So the first fear that we find Jesus addressing is being afraid of other people. Matthew chapter 10 verse 26 says, So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. The first point that Jesus makes is don't fear people. One of the greatest driving forces in our lives is a fear of people. Whether you're afraid of people hurting you, stealing from you, judging you, discouraging you, or disappointing you, any other thing too that impacts you negatively like rejection, fearing people is easily one of the biggest challenges in our lives. And as Jesus is sending out his disciples in this passage, he is keenly aware that the Jewish religious leaders and and the Jewish people will threaten his disciples, oppress them, and even kill them because of the truth that they preach. For me, over the last 10 years that I've been a follower of Jesus, I've spoken to a large number of Christians from a variety of churches about their experience of sharing the gospel. One thing that nearly every single one of them has said is that they rarely ever do it because of how afraid they are of people's responses. Now, I know that's only anecdotal. I don't have any statistics there. But in light of that, I want to ask every single one of you watching this if you can relate to that. Do you and I often allow our fear of people to hold us back from sharing the truth of God with others? If so, let's be honest with ourselves, we need to hear the words of Jesus today loud and clearly. Do not be afraid of other people. Our fear of people is actually unhealthy and not from God. God commands the exact opposite, to not fear people. So when we feel afraid of other people and consider not sharing the truth and love of God with them, we need to remember these words of Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to let his disciples know that, yes, many will oppress them. Religious leaders, religious people will tell lies to harm the disciples. They'll attempt to suppress the truth of God. However, they can take heart because God is aware of it all. And God will make sure that every truth will be revealed. Every lie that people tell will come to light. Every accusation against God's people and oppression will be revealed. God will hold all people accountable. That also means God's truth will be revealed to all people when Jesus returns. Although many people will deny it until then, and many will reject and oppress the disciples of Jesus until then, we have the promise from God that all truth will be made known when Jesus returns. 
The truth that we pour out our lives to make known, the truth that people actively reject will be revealed to everyone so that we know our work is not in vain. Jesus then tells his followers to freely make known the things that God reveals to us. Not only do we need to reject the fear of people in our lives, but we also need to boldly and lovingly share with them the great truths about God. Jesus says that what he teaches us about himself in our private relationship with him, we need to reveal it to the general public. We can't keep the truth of God to ourselves, and we can't let our fear of people hold us back from loving them by sharing the good news of Jesus with them. Far too many people I've talked to say, faith is a private matter, and I don't talk much about my faith. I don't want to force it on others. I keep it to myself. We need to get that lie from the pit of hell out of our worldview. Faith is personal, but it's not private. Jesus here tells us to speak it in the daylight, to proclaim it from the rooftops. And I know Vancouverites are deathly afraid of people thinking that we're judgmental or bigoted or arrogant. The irony is that the same people that judge us that way are being judgmental and bigoted against us because they don't like our version of the truth. We can't let the fear of people looking down on us or rejecting our faith hold us back from making God's truth known. So if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are officially called to lay down your fears, die to your insecurities, and make the truth of God known no matter what it costs. Remember, everything will be revealed. So let's continue to make the truth of God known while we have time. Amen? All right. The second thing Jesus highlights here is our fear of death. Verse 28 says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. In essence, Jesus is saying, don't fear death. It's been said that some Christians have a low view of the human body. People have accused Christians of being so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Some Christians have been criticized for being physically unhealthy and not treating their bodies well because we say our souls are the only thing that go with us when we die. So that's all we'll concern ourselves with. Although there are enough examples of Christians that do believe this and sadly live this way, and even a passage like this can be interpreted as saying the body doesn't matter, only the soul does, it actually couldn't be farther from the truth. Far from having a low view of the human body, the way of Jesus provides us with both the highest view of the human body while simultaneously maintaining the highest view of the soul. Both our life on this earth and our life after death matter tremendously to God. It's only a couple verses later after the statement that Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body and not the soul, that he also says, the very hairs of our head are all numbered. Wow. I don't know about you, but that absolutely blows my mind. Now, I know to the brothers out there who are balding, this verse isn't that encouraging, But in all seriousness, God cares so much about our bodies that he's even numbered our hairs. That's such a frivolous detail for God to care about. Clearly, our bodies matter a lot to God as we're made in his image, and he calls us to treat our bodies with honor. That being said, as much value as our bodies have, we also can't fear their inevitable deterioration as we age and die, 
nor should we fear those who can kill our bodies as much as they matter, because we do also have souls that live on for eternity in our resurrected, perfected bodies. So whether it's people, sickness, tragic accidents, or old age, or Jesus returning, our bodies on this side of eternity will die at some point. That's an unavoidable fact. It can be a scary thought if we don't know what will happen to us after death. And many Christians around the world are threatened with death because of what they believe. Although it's different than persecution, one thing that COVID-19 has done is expose deeply rooted fears of death in many followers of Jesus. Humanly speaking, it's understandable that persecution and contagious diseases could make us afraid. However, if you are in Christ Jesus, then you are a new creation and you have been given the mind of Christ as 1 Corinthians 2.16 says. Jesus is clear here that we are not to be afraid of death. Our bodies will die no matter what, and this should no longer be a cause for fear in us because if we know God, if we follow Jesus and give him our lives, then our souls will live on for eternity with God. So fear of people and fear of death are two of the greatest sources of perpetual fear in our daily lives. And Jesus gives us ample support that we should never allow those fears to control or dominate us. But then he switches it up halfway in verse 28, and he actually tells us to be afraid of something. What is that? 28 goes on to say, Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. We need to fear God. This is no new teaching for Jesus' disciples. As Jews, they would have been thoroughly acquainted with the teachings of the Old Testament, the famous line of Proverbs, which says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing God was a concept well known to Jesus' audience. Rather than being a new teaching for his followers, instead, this was a profound reminder that all of God's people need every single day, including you and me. Why? Because God is the only one that we should fear. Our fears of people and death, among other things, will try to compete for our attention and to control us. When we go out and share the gospel, when we're afraid to stand up for God's ways and truth in our culture and consider doubting him, we run the risk of fearing people and death more than we fear God. But here, Jesus is commanding us to only be afraid of God. No one and nothing else. Why? Because if we don't fear God the most, if we fear other people more than God, then we make the tragic error of placing our own comforts ahead of God's truth. Jesus calls all of us followers to the Great Commission in Matthew 28, which is to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey God, baptizing them to commit their lives to God's ways above everything else. If we don't live the life and engage in the Great Commission that God has called us to because we're afraid of people and death, if we allow those fears to guide us more than fearing God, then we run the risk of rejecting God in favor of our own comfort. The sobering truth in this passage is that Jesus says, if we fear people more than we fear God, it ends up with both our bodies and our souls being destroyed in hell, away from God for all eternity. Now, I want to pause there for two reasons. First, we need to let that sink in. 
That is a sobering reality that every follower of Jesus needs to face. Failing to fear God above everything puts us at risk of being destroyed in hell, even if we call ourselves Christians. Jesus said three chapters ago in Matthew chapter seven, many will say to him, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? And Jesus says, plainly, I will tell them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Truly, there will be people who are convinced they are Christians, but their lives do not reflect a fear of God. Secondly, we need to quickly cover what a healthy fear of God looks like. Some people have painted a picture of God that is flat out scary. He's presented to look like an angry, unpredictable, stressed out old man who's eager to inflict pain on every person who's imperfect. Or he's seen as a harsh judge who's always waiting for you to make a mistake so he can punish you like an overbearing, abusive parent. Not only that, if you grew up in a household with parents or authority figures who were like that themselves, then it's natural for us to project those traumatic experiences with our primary authority figures onto God. And I want to make sure it's abundantly clear that God is not like that. We don't fear him because he's angry. We don't fear him because he's unpredictable. We don't fear him because he's abusive. We fear God because he's holy. He's set apart from us in his purity, his perfection, his untainted love. The degree to which he's holy causes a deep fear within us, a fear that's rooted in reverence, acknowledging his greatness that goes beyond words, a fear that reveals how evil we truly are and how desperately we need him. A fear that reveals the great gap between us and God and draws us to Jesus that we may be restored in relationship with him. This is a healthy fear of God. Not one that makes us scared of making mistakes every day, but one that reveals how amazing God is, how unworthy we are to be in his presence apart from the great work that Jesus did on the cross. And the kingdom that he invites all of us into for all eternity is a reflection of who he is. The kingdom of God is incompatible with the sin and evil that's in our lives. That's why we need Jesus to come to earth to accomplish his work on the cross so that we may have that sin and evil within us forgiven and removed from our lives. So now as his redeemed children, we can go and share it with others so that every person, all being made in God's image, can be reconciled in relationship to God. That is our mission, to be agents of reconciliation between God and humanity as his children who have been adopted and sent out to make disciples of all nations. That's the primary and most important work that we all must devote ourselves to out of fear and reverence to God until the day we die. Jesus is commanding us to not allow the fear of people and the fear of death to get in the way of serving God in the ways we've been called to. If we heed Jesus's commands here and begin to fear God more than the temptation to fear people and death, then we begin the dangerous yet incomparably great journey of the great commission that Jesus calls us to. We begin the mission of sharing the gospel with all the people that we're able to and making God's truth known through our entire lives. As great as this sounds, it also presents very real challenges and fears like losing friends, being rejected by family members, losing jobs, our livelihood, being oppressed, being threatened, and even attacked due to our faith. 
people lying about us, people spreading rumors about us, and the list of horrible things done to us due to our faith in Jesus and fear of God goes on. All of this danger and risk can cause us to fear our circumstances. But Jesus addresses this in verses 29 to 31. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus is saying, don't fear your circumstances. Our desires for ideal circumstances, health, wealth, education, relationships, job success, and these are not inherently bad things. God can even provide these things for us according to his will. That being said, if our pursuit of these things or fear of losing them becomes more important than following Jesus, then we are again at risk of losing our relationship with God for the sake of comforts and pleasures in our present circumstances. These things can seem so important to us in the moment, but in the grand scheme of eternity, they actually don't hold much value. Think about it. When you're in the presence of God, you're not going to be thinking about whether you made six figures or not. You're not going to be concerned with how great or difficult your spouse was. You're not going to regret staying single because it allowed you to serve God more fully. You're not going to be bragging about how healthy or muscular or smart or well-connected you were. All of these things will have passed. The greatest thing that will go with you into eternity is how your relationship with God was. Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first God's kingdom and righteousness and everything will be added to you. Our first and greatest focus is on God. All the other benefits, blessings, and experiences of life will flow from there. Being faithful and obedient to God is more important than all of our health, education, success, and relationships ever could be. Now, many of you watching this today might be thinking, okay, Jordan, that all sounds great, but I still have all these fears. What do I do about them? They're not going away anytime soon. Good question. What today's text is teaching us is that we need to be honest with our fears. We all need to bring our fears to God, and we all need to make sure that we fear God above all these other competing fears. We need to prioritize God above everything and to hear him for ourselves exactly how he wants us to live every day. You and I need to become increasingly acquainted with the truth of God and the voice of God in our own lives so that we can be faithful. No pastor can do that for you. God wants you to do that himself. He wants to lead you every day in the way that you should go, not having other people tell you what to do. That's been very much my experience as well as I'm now transitioned out of my full-time role as a pastor here. And I'm now serving God's kingdom through other avenues in the business world. I consulted a variety of pastors, mentors, spirit-filled counsel, people who know me deeply and love me immensely, and they all had great things to share. Much of them agreed on different areas of discernment, but they also had differences. And ultimately, no single person or pastor could ever tell me or you what we should do to obey God's voice in this time. Whether I should stay as a full-time pastor here or step into the business world to serve God's kingdom differently, only God could lead me in this process. He worked through other people, but it was ultimately his voice that I needed to hear and not other people. 
That being said, there've been a number of fears that I've had to work through in the process of trying to follow Jesus. I've had a lot of what if questions and I've had to bring them to God. I feared my circumstances, just like what Jesus says not to do. I feared what other people would think, just like what Jesus says not to do. But through it all, God's voice has been consistent and affirmed by many things. God has led me to the place where out of fear and reverence for him, I can take this next step into the unknown with a passion and desire to impact the business world with God's truth and introduce as many people to Jesus as possible. It's only through being with God, dying to my fear and being empowered by his spirit that any of these things will come to pass. We have all been called to spend time in God's presence and be sent out with power into the world to share the gospel and fulfill the Great Commission. That's the best place for all of us to start. Thank God that we don't have to do this alone. There's many of you watching today who have responded to the exact same call, and I get great comfort from knowing that we get to do this together. So as we go out together to be engaged in the great commission that Jesus called us to, we know that fear of people, fear of death, and fear of circumstances will try to discourage us and get our focus off of God. Let's be prepared knowing that these things will come up and fearing God above everything will help keep us faithful in the many opportunities that God's going to bring us into to build his kingdom and make him known to others. To close this passage, Jesus says in verses 32 and 33, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. As we share the truth of God and the good news of Jesus with our classmates, teachers, friends, coworkers, bosses, cashiers at Superstore, truly anyone that God brings us in contact with, we have the certainty that Jesus will acknowledge us before God the Father, and we have a place in the house of God, at the table of God, to be his children forever. So let's continue to grow in faithfulness until that day, casting aside our fear of people, death, and circumstances, and growing in our fear of God and God alone as we learn to follow him in obedience every single day. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, reading your words can be so challenging. Lord, I'm often confronted with my own apathy, my own fear of the mission you've called me to when I, when I read your word. I realize I get so stuck in my circumstances and, and so stuck in my fears, God, that I need this refresher to be reminded to lift my eyes to you, Jesus, so that you alone are the one that I fear, O oh God. And I pray the same thing for every person watching this, Lord, every person hearing your word today being talked about. I pray that your spirit would encourage them now, God, that, Lord, you'd be identifying fears that have held them back. God, fears that have suppressed them, fears that have rendered them ineffective in many ways because, Lord, the enemy is going to steal, kill, and destroy, and the world is going to come against us. God, I pray that you would free all of us from those fears as we reprioritize our fears and fear you above all. Lord Jesus, that 
we would fear God above everything so that as we seek first your kingdom, we trust that everything will be taken care of. Everything will be added, God, because you are a good, good father. And you provide every good gift for your children. So Lord Jesus, bless us as we go from here. Bless us with the knowledge of your presence. May we spend much time with you, Lord, so that we may be empowered to go out and engage in this great commission, freed from those fears and and having our focus on you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.